0: Episode 86, The Mask of Mandragora. Mandragora. Mandoragara. Mandor Sephora. I, I realised at the end of the last episode that I meant to say Mandragora, but I said Mandragora, and I don't fucking care. I, I got it wrong. I get a lot of things wrong. Everything in my life is wrong. What happened in the episode, dear?
1: Well, in The Mask of Mangadora. Uh, They're in the TARDIS, and they're walking around, looking around, talking, find the second control room of the TARDIS. Then they turn the TARDIS on and look out the window and see the Mangadora helix. And it's pure energy. No one understands it. There's intelligence in the middle. That's all you need to know. They start getting sucked off into it, and Sarah has to say the alphabet backwards. The doctor goes outside, looks around, it's weird, he feels tiny. Sarek also hears a noise, and then a red light that is helix energy is bad comes around, and they're like, oh, fuck, and they go back into the TARDIS. Uh, but we can't leave, be- and, but it, <sighs> back into the TARDIS we go, but it can't leave because the evil laughing voice said so. I thought, and then it leaves. Cut to the medieval era. Shit, people being murdered and insurrection. Farquaad is the count, but then some old Farquaad dude seems to be dying. He is dead, actually. And a young Farquad is upset about it. This is gonna get very not confusing very quickly, I promise. Apparently, a man foretold his death. He's an astrologer, wow. priest, dude. He's like, wow, it's magic. Shitty old Farquad comes inside the room and is apparently young Farquad's uncle. Uncle Farquad is upset that his sport of attacking people isn't enjoyable, and Berries and Cream Boy is angry that his father is dead. And he's Duke now. So they start to think it's going to be a murder because he was healthy at the time. Uncle Farquaad is talking about, with the priest, about their plans and the poison. Priest is just like, I'm just psychic, bro. The sun makes me powerful. TARDIS is now here. Sarah seems some oranges, eats one while being watched, and then is captured by some monks who I wanted to call the Italian KKK and Gam wouldn't let me. And then old doctor, the fucking doctor... Fucking assaults them for taking Sarah, but then one assaults the doctor, and then a red helix light flies out of the TARDIS, fucks up some shit. Then the doctor wakes up, sees a man messing with some hay, and the helix flies towards him, kills him, the doctor goes to investigate, yeah, he's dead, he brought it here, we fucked up. It's the basic gist of the story. <clears throat> Berries and Cream yeah. is reading while his attendee polishes his sword, uh, not an innuendo. Uh, Farquad walks in, and the priest goes, "Listen, horoscopes say you're gonna die." Barrys is like, "Nah, you're lying. I don't believe it." The doctor is walking and asks about Sarah to some dudes, but then some knights come up and go, "Who the fuck is you?" Then the doctor steals a horse, Insta. and leaves. Sarah is brought to the hooded society, and Sarah is apparently a important sacrifice to Dimnos, which is basically the devil doctor is brought to Farquaad and they wonder where he's from. He tries to explain it. Everyone laughs at him. He tries again. He's crazy. The red light meanwhile is killing some fuckers. The doctor is asked questions about the moon. They still think he's crazy so it's time to execute him. Berries and Cream is here. Wonders who the doctor is. Don't worry about it. Sarah's placed in a white dress, prepped for sacrifice and the doctor is headed to his execution. And uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's that's it. That's the entire episode. Good night, everybody. hmm Um, okay. So, we need to go back to something that we have spoken a little bit about.
1: Is it the Italian Season KKK?
0: b No, not the Italian KKK. We're not going back to it. <sighs> Season 6B. So season six was uh the second doctor's final season, and at the end of it there there's a theory that plugs some holes into it plugs some holes that have been kind of created around the second doctor's regeneration, things like his involvement in future things, him having knowledge that he shouldn't theoretically have. Uh, collaborations in stories where he's like, I gotta get back to this character, but at this that character wouldn't know that he exists, that sort of thing. Um, and this story kinda provides more evidence to be used to create uh, Season 6B, because we have this new console room in the TARDIS. Uh, it's round-all lo- still, it's wood-panelled, uh, designed uh, because they thought uh, Barry Newbury uh, wanted it to be wood grain looking. It's very nice. I like it. I like it as a one-off sort of thing. They intentionally kind of were going to make it like, like, oh, this is the secondary console room. We'll just use this from this on out. It's like, I mean, it's neat, but it's not good as like a main one. Um, so they only use it for for a little bit um but uh they they walk in and he says oh this is the old control room uh console room and then uh, we find some frilled shirts some shaping equipment and a recorder. a recorder and it's like hang on a second we never saw the second doctor in here how did the second doctor use this console room if we never saw him in it and it's like well season 6 b would fill that in because it would make sense cuz the second doctor would still been travelling and he could have used that console room when he was travelling um but that's what that's all about uh also uh elizabeth slayden playing sarah jane uh, initially was going to uh, initially was going to be leaving at the end of season 13 uh, but then some episodes got shuffled around and also this episode came into creation and she had read about it and heard about it, well, more so, and wanted to make it uh, because it interested her. Uh, she just really likes berries and cream, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the intro, as you may have noticed, has more of a serif style font and that looks a tiny bit embossed a little bit. Uh, that stays until this title sequence completely changes. I like it when it's embossed like this. It's it's pretty neat. Um, but Philip Hinchcliffe was inspired to do a story set in Renaissance Italy uh, because he saw Roger Corman's 1964 film version of Edgar Allan Poe's The Mask of the Red Death. So that's where uh, The Mask of Danganronpa has come from. Mm. Um so, what happens in the second part, though, dear? Is everyone dead?
1: Yeah. Cool. Actually, um, fun fact, the doctor was like, I'm gonna make my own Italy with bitches and <laughs> with gambling. blackjack and hookers. And blackjack and hookers. So he steals a horse. Uh, the the stealing yep. a horse part was actually the right part. That actually the, does the, happen. The...
0: the, the... <laughs> The 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 executioner is about to swing the sword and he's like, "Hang on a second, do you mind if I just like readjust my scarf? I need to look good."
1: And then and he then... does and knocks
0: the executioner over and then steals the horse and then slaps the horse's ass. Yep. Buenos dias, Nay horse. Nay horse. Just
1: Buenos yeah. dias, horse
0: horsey. Horsey, I guess. Yeah.
1: Because C- it it's if
0: fine. I mean, if you want to make the the comic, you could
1: do it that. No. You can make the comic, you meme fuck. (laughs) Back to the sacrifice setup and hunting for the doctor. Everyone's too scared to go underground, so he's good. Sarah's prepped to sacrifice, the doctor wanders around, cult members do the hokey pokey, and the doctor just drags Sarah away last second before she's killed. Then the temple suddenly looks restored or something, and the doctor's like, let's leave! Meanwhile, Berries and Cream are inspecting that dead body from the red light. Uh, Sarah and the Doctor talk about what happened, and she learns about the Helix light coming back. But now they're at Spearpoint and captured again, which that sucks. Back at the temple- hold on, Evie's here. She wants to say hello. Ah! Ugh, hold on. There you go. Uh, back at the temple- the, the hot dog, there's a hot dog light, okay? I just need you hot to- dog. There's just a hot dog light, okay? Helix says, bro, you can be the ruler of the earth if you want, and everyone's like, yo! But no one else can stand in the hot dog. Also, by the way, is pur- the priest is purple hot dog guy. The doctor and berries meet back up. They're going to be protecting the doctor baby. They know Farquad murdered their dad, and the doctor is just kind of looking around. Doctor is shown the blue dead body from earlier. Farquad is upset that the doctor and Sarah can't be found. He also has a message for him, a list of the people who are showing up tonight. Uh, also, here's a whole bunch of royal people headed this way to celebrate the dukedom. Uh, a hot dog, and Farquad goes to his priest. And he's like, "I want to kill Barry's... Tonight. Like, we gotta get it done. Okay. And then uh, is that the I think that's the end of the episode. <laughs> I, it's another one where there's like no it's really <laughs> I I keep having paragraphs end on a page and it's really annoying.
0: Maybe you should have some sort of other marker to signify that. Probably that you've, you're done. Because that one ends that one ends when um part two ends when uh they're they're going to the temple doctors in the catacombs uh berries and cream is about to be killed by his uncle uh the guards corner berries and cream with their swords and Sarah runs in the catacombs calling for the doctor and then is caught by the cult members
1: okay one second I'm finding that hold on <laughs> Uh, 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 they fuck up underground, told them to to the doctor. Uh, okay. Uh. Uh, okay. I see. Found it. So, Hot Dog Priest asks what to do because the sword could just kill him. And the light says, Not yet, bro, we got you. And the priest is upset. That no one takes hot dog religion seriously. Did I really write that? Okay. (laughs) He's gonna put them in their place. Wow! So time (laughs) to go down into the sewers with berries. Uh, And then they both get followed, of course. So they're gonna blame the cult on the death of berries to get shit done. But the doctor, while down there, gets slapped around a bit by the helix sound. Sarah and Berries are taking a break from the world and talking about how it's round. And then they get caught and cornered. And Sarah makes a break for it to go find the doctor. And she's caught. And she's probably dead. And the doctor is okay. But Helix is laughing at him. And he runs out to help... Uh, berries with the sword fight and berries get stabbed uh, a little bit and the cult members also run to fight everyone off and the doctor and berries just fuck around underground they're like, where's Sarah? and we see Sarah got captured because she's gonna be super sacrificed this time so there you go
0: super duper sacrificed
1: super super sacrificed
0: super sacra saw. So, uh, Robert Holmes, the script editor, uh, needed a great deal of persuading in order to attempt a historically based story, uh, because he absolutely fucking hated them. He hated historical stories, he hated, he thought they were boring, he thought there was nothing to them, which is part of the reason, part, him and others, part of the reason why Doctor Who had hasn't done a proper historical story since, like, the... Gunfighters, I think, which is a, a very old story. Um, they they tend to avoid pure historicals from now on out because it's like the audience doesn't want something that's just history. There has to be something mm-hmm. to it. And the way they, they convinced Robert Holmes was like, okay, it has to be some sort of nasty history. Um, uh, Lewis Marx had written a postgraduate thesis on the era that they that they wrote for, uh, twenty years before, uh snappily titled The Development of the Institutions of Public Finance in the Florence during the last sixty years of the Republic, 1470 to 1539, and therefore got the gig. Uh the script references a number of contemporary uh uh contemporary Oh yeah, contemporary sources, uh not at least Mandragola, uh by Machiavelli. Uh, prompting Robert Holmes to comment and jokingly say that had he known how many quote co-authors there were, uh, he would have only given Marx half the fee of a writer instead, <laughs> which is a funny little thing. Um, but yeah, th- th- this is this is kind of when I said when we had our last historical, which was a very long time ago. Um, uh, they they don't do historicals from here on out. They only do something set in history. With aliens or something set in history where there's some sort of time anomaly going wrong. Especially in the TV show, they don't tend to do anything except history with aliens. Uh, books and audio stuff they tend to be a little bit more creative with like, okay, here's this historical event, but there's something wrong with time, or they're like, just something the doctor has accidentally done something and it's fucked up a timeline, and now they just have to fix it up. That mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, but the TV is basically just, oh my god, it's the signing of the Magna Carta, but there's aliens! Whoa! Like, that sort of thing. Uh, it's it, it, it's kind of frustrating. But, I mean, it gives them a chance to use some BBC stuff, so who cares? Mm. Um, also, uh, Philip Hinchcliffe, the producer explicitly stated in a Radio Times interview that uh, the unit stories and invasions of Earth were no longer what the audience, or really the production team, uh, wanted from the show, and that he was heading in a more literary adult direction, which we've kind of already seen in the last season. The last season was... uh, Season 13 was very much a send-off to invasion stories, what with the android invasion and such, and more... Adult literary type stories, what with uh The Brain of Morbius, what being Frankenstein, and uh the Android invasion being like more like an invasion of the body snatches that type of thing, and same with uh the Zygons, uh Terror of the Zygons. Uh but from here on out it gets a little bit more literary. That also is a little bit bullshit. Um I would argue they, they kind of drop the literary thing from here on out, it, it becomes a little bit more obscure. Um. Uh, it was also at this time that Philip Hinchcliffe was requested to stay on for a fourth year uh, as the producer but um,
1: hmm.
0: yeah what happens dear in the next part if you've written it down correctly
1: well I mean I'm gonna start putting double or triple uh, uh, page breaks anyway so Farquaad's angry because he seriously wants to find his nephew and murder him. Sarah is now being drugged and hypnotized. She's basically told to murder the doctor with a poison needle when she's near him. So we got to go put her near him. So they stick her down there uh, in the, in the, uh, uh, the the, 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 sewers, basically. Also, let's prove that Bears and Cream is actually a Satan worshiper, right? Huh! The doctor finds Sarah, but she can't remember anything at all. Why would they leave Sarah? That's weird. And then she's like, Huh? Why can I understand Latin? And he's like, hmm. And then the doctor thinks that someone else here uh, was why the TARDIS came here. And then Farquaad breaks his way into Barry and Cream's room and assaults his aide. And then he threatens the priest as well. And he calls him fake for a bit to remember his place. However, we also predict that Farquaad is going to die before anything uh, else. Uh, the doctor is worried that people like Da Vinci are going to die and throw the world to- into fuck. And then they continue to torture Barry's aide to say that he's a saint worshiper. He doesn't break for a while. For a while. And then the doctor is now with the priest and Sarah is also prepped to kill the doctor. But she's happily talked out of it. And she's like, oh my god, what am I doing? But the doctor is captured again while the priest runs for it. And then the doctor and Sarah are now in chains and sort of just hanging out berries was also captured, so everyone's gonna die, I guess. Back at the Power Hot Dog, everyone is powering themselves up, much like Sonic. The doctor tries to explain to Farquaad what's going on, and he decides to go down to the cults to figure it out. And he's like, if I don't come back, kill everybody. So we see them hanging out with the Power Hot Dog, and Farquaad just walks up like, bitch, what the hell are you doing? And pulls off Priest Dude's mask, and it's just pure light. And then Farquaad dies. And, yeah... I agree,
0: Evie. Oh, did did Evie uh, have some opinion on it?
1: That was oh, her
0: opinion. Oh, okay, Evie. I didn't think we'd have any slurs on this podcast. Right. But okay. Oh, Evie, Evie, come on! One more, and we have to censor you. Don't, don't do this. Oh my god, that's it. That's it. Get her out of here. Get uh, her out of here. She's
1: out. She's gone. She's she's never coming back.
0: Look. Lock the doors. Don't let her in. Don't let her in.
1: Okay.
0: So. So, uh, other working titles for this story were The Catacombs of Death, Doom of Destiny, Secret of the Labyrinth, and The Curse of Mandragora, or Mandragora, whatever you want to fucking call it. Uh, I I call it the correct thing. Mang- mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> Uh fucking hell. Uh so like we sort of described in the last episode, the TARDIS prop, which is the one that they use when they're getting in and out of the TARDIS, uh they had to retire the old one, which was one they had been using since like the sixties. Uh since like fucking nineteen sixty-three. It was the same prop one. But they had to make a new one for the start of this season because in The Seeds of Doom during the final scenes where they were recording the Doctor and Sarah walking out of the TARDIS uh, to walk into Antarctica, uh, the roof of the prop fell down on top of them while they were inside <laughs> and caused them to piss themselves laughing about it. Uh, but the new the new police box that they had is snazzy and sticks around for a while. Uh, funnily enough... It's a little bit darker blue, but it's still not dark enough to be accurate to what the police boxes actually were, colour-wise. Um, which is funny to me. Um, but, yes. Sev- several elements of the, the secondary console room that they have were reused in other designs, like the, the columns and the monitor screen, mm. uh, the walls... Uh, appear up in future episodes painted on doors like they reuse them for doors which is kind of funny to me Uh, there's uh, this the story itself was was uh, filmed was it filmed in in this area or was it I think yeah it was filmed in a a a, an area in Wales that uh, Philip Hinchcliffe selected uh, suggested that they film in because it was a place he had uh, visited when he was a tour tour guide in the 60s. So he knew it very well, and he was like, this would be a good place to set the story. Like, We could film in here. This would be a, a good place for it. It's like, how do you know that? It's like, oh, I used to be a tour guide <laughs> back in the 60s. <laughs> uh, also, uh, one of the... <laughs> So uh, if this a lot of people saw this story and saw it as like, hey, they're doing historicals again. Maybe historical stuff is a good idea in the be- to like, like we should do more historical sort of things. And um, uh, the director himself, uh, Rodney Bennett, uh, went on to actually uh do Robin Hood from here on out, uh, because it was like, well, you know what. If like we we have this style of story, we can kind of make it Robin Hood esque. Like the Doctor is charming and dashing and and all about. So it's like, why don't we make him Robin Hood esque? Like it fits medieval renaissance era. That that's that's basically Robin Hood. <laughs> Even though Robin Hood was thirteenth or twelfth century, I think not fifteenth. Yeah. So it's like that would be a bit um. Uh, a bit off, time-wise. Uh, But, yes, this... This is... It's a, it's a charming story. I like it. But what happens in the next part, dear? Is everyone dead?
1: Yeah, because the cult made their happy circle to power up the hot dog super hard. Um... Also, yeah, while 13, down in the prison, everyone's 13, killed because, you know, it's been an hour. But then the doctor shows up and Farquad's dead because the cult killed him. And so they're like, oh, fuck, I guess we're listening to Barry's again because he's dead. Now it's time to make the castle an entire fucking fortress while well, the doctor thinks of a plan. Uh, more Helix guys are going to come tomorrow night. It's not a good, it's not good. And the Doctor going the telescope, runs off, and starts to do stuff. Berries is worried about fighting, but he has to stand up and be a strong leader. And the Doctor is making some measurements and calculations and has the exact moment in time and second that they will attack. So we basically know what's going on. There are basically... Go- <sighs> They're going to basically attack with super astronomy powers and take away all of man's ambition. And the answer is instead to exhaust all their power and Barry's comes in and basically gets ignored while he's trying to ask for something. We need wire and a huge metal chest piece. Oh, also there's a dance tonight. Can that still go as planned? And the doctor's like, yeah, sure, go for it. The doctor now has a chest plate on him. Uh, puts over his co- Puts a coat over it to hide it. Things are apparently really, 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 really bad, but also the doctor has found his inner interfer- uh, furry, so that's a fun, uh, it's a lion, by the way, he, he also supports furry NFTs. Anyway, the doctor has stuck into the cult room with his wire to do some stuff, while the party's going on, the cult is apparently surrounding the whole palace. Sarah is also at the party, doesn't know where the doctor is, but is now being asked to dance. And the doctor has now connected up all the wire to some nails in the ground, hastily covered them up, and just taken a sweet-ass seat on that table. And so, okay, let's talk like normal Helix to the priest that comes up. And he's like, why are you here, Time Lord? Basically, hold on. This is so much. Oh, my God. Mm. They... Are worried mm. that mm. Earth is going to rival Manga uh Manga uh, Dikadora, Dangan Danganronpa. Danganronpa's, uh, power. But the doctor is, huh, no, wait, he's okay. Uh, then there's more lightning to the heart. And no, he's okay. But then the sun-faced dude is running out of energy and struggling now. And then we see that some people in weird masks have shown up to the party. But then there's a man in a lion mask that's shown up to the party. And Sarah's like, oh, doctor, why did you get here? And then he takes it off and it's not the doctor. And oh, oh, now everyone is surrounded and they're getting shocked to death. And then the eclipse starts and everyone's ready to be sacrificed. They're going to sacrifice all the people at once for efficiency. So they summon that red light again, but instead, everybody just gets fucking electrocuted. And the doctor was actually the one in the purple cloak because he already beat the other dude. And the entire day is saved. And they're like, yay! Uh, can I have a salami yay. sandwich? And they're like, yeah, sure. Here's And then he leaves with some salami. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like legitimately. I do love it. And then the manga da is gonna fuck up some shit again in like five hundred years, so don't worry about it for a while. Okay, bye. They're whooshing away. That's it. Whooshy, whooshy, whooshy.
0: Real quick, I do just want to say mm. this: this story kind of epitomizes Doctor Who in a in a certain way with the way Doctor Who treats certain things. Um, it has a sort of fable approach to certain stories and the way it tells things. Uh, this the way this book describes it is actually perfect, in my opinion. Uh, Doctor Who is a program that traditionally has been low on hard theory and high on improbable fantasy. Uh, here, though, things are more explicit than usual. The Doctor blithely states uh, that this is the period halfway between the Dark Age and an Age of Enlightenment, uh, and to underline, the most of the 15th century types we see here are either absolutely refusing to believe in horoscopes, or talk in astrology babble all of the time. Uh the suggestion seems to be that in the fourteen hundreds somebody pulled a big lever, marked a reason, but that uh, not everybody was uh wired for science power. Uh which is, of course, ludicrous and not what happened. Uh the idea that science and superstitious uh, superstition are polar opposites is a terribly nineteenth century one. And if anything, the Renaissance was about measuring, not about chucking out old ideas to bring like as being too fantastical. It's not like they went, oh, hey, science is cool, religion's kind of shit, guys, we should get rid of it. Like, obviously that's not what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, If anything, science was considered by some an extension of religion for a very long time, uh, until, of course, it became heretical uh, in certain aspects. Uh, But it's the sort of thing of, like... uh, Few people in the 15th century Italy would have entirely discounted the possibility of demonic, angelic, or supernatural influences on Earth. Even those who believed in using the new scientific methodology, though throughout the following century many of the discoveries which led to the more rational world of the Enlightenment were uh, sponsored by the Church and considered to go hand-in-hand with Christian law. Again, science is kind of an extension of uh, religion. Uh, Galileo's persecution wasn't exactly typical or at least, like, that sort of thing. Yeah, it wasn't universal. Uh, but then, when the BBC made The Mask of Mandra- of Mandragora, uh, they didn't want to offend anyone, especially not whilst Mary Whitehouse was watching. Uh, no wonder religions never mentioned, apart from blasphemous and pagan brotherhood. Because, um, again, uh, if you're doing historical stuff, especially European historical you're gonna have to mention Christianity in some form, mm-hmm. unless you change the details so you don't have to bring up Christianity. Because if you bring up Christianity, especially in the '70s, '80s, and 90s
1: arguably and today.
0: today, although today, 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 you kind of can actually get away. Uh, like Doctor Who, very much gets away with uh, bringing. Let's
1: up put it this way: Christianity, depending on what country you're in,
0: depending on what country you're in. Yes, of course, you will get some outrage still. Um, but uh, back in the day, especially, it was like, hey, if you mention Christianity, you're going to offend a whole heap of people, like saying that like Christianity was like this. Uh, the script would have had to have decided whether Catholicism was on the doctor's side or the enemy's side, essentially. So it's like, we need to sidestep this fucking issue. Um, we. It's also well known that even uh, Newton, uh, supposed godfather of all that's proper and scientific, uh, Isaac Newton, sir, Uh, was a practising alchemist and believer in tangible higher powers as late as the 1700s. So it's difficult to accept that a prince would dismiss the works of Hieronymus as bosh, because astrology can't possibly be true, rather than say because Hieronymus is just a bad astrologer. (laughs) Uh, The writer would have known this, of course, because, you know, they did their fucking doctorate on it. Um, But there's a difference between knowing something and putting it into effect in As a 90-minute piece of TV, Uh, Renaissance Renaissance thoughts stretch the importance of observation rather than received wisdom, and how do you televise that? Uh, Observation requires time, television requires exposition. Audiences expect instant results. So Hieronymus is a full blather and a fraudulent peddler of superstition, yet the story can't resist giving him... uh, Premonitions that turn out to be true, and passing them up as vague, unexplained elements of Mandragora's plan. Um, so yeah, this is the kind of thing. Like in the early '70s, you could get away with like spiritualism and kind of using elements and aesthetics of like Buddhism, like they did. Uh, but Christianity is kind of always a no go. Even using the devil, like remember with the demons, they they almost got in trouble for like basically making the devil in in that sort of sense um because it was basically meant to be the devil uh but they were like we can't do this because that like christianity it's a bit iffy but then the bbc were like oh no you can like have satan and satanism all you want you just can't have christianity you cannot say it is the christian devil it's that sort of thing it's like no it's the satan satanist devil like that sort of thing um so that's why the historical stories are always a little bit odd. It's it's uh, Christian sensibilities, essentially. Uh, censoring the story to not offend Christians. Uh, which, you know, not not like, oh, boo-hoo, poor Christians. Like, I I'm very much a believer of, like, intentionally offending people is never a fun thing to do. But also in terms of stories, like if they had done a story about the Spanish Inquisition... It's like, uh, you kinda need to include Christianity in that one, boys. Uh, it's kind of, kind of, kind of important, that one. Uh, persecution. It's a, who is persecuting who? It's like, okay, you need to, you need to include this. And not even a sense of, like, Christianity is bad, but you, like, you can't pretend that Christianity is perfect throughout the ages the same with all religion all religion has had times well the majority of them have had times in history where they have utilised and uh, taken their doctrines and teachings and uh, used them to justify some kinda horrendous things by our standards Uh, and it's like it doesn't really feel right to just pretend that that's not the case or sweep Mm -hmm. it under the rug for a story like this Uh, but it was the 70s and they didn't really care that much and also the potential of pissing off christians would have really fucked everything up for the show so yeah. that's why it's a bit like this um in the end it's a it's personally it's a it's a fine episode it's not one i really go and rewatch much if i if i want a a, a decent historical one Maybe I'd go back to this one. Um but the majority of it is just like, you know what? Eh But well, what do you think, dear?
1: I'm like a four really. I I mean there's yeah, there's I feel about the same. Cults are fun, some things are fun. I don't exactly really care about that much. Yeah.
0: We love a cult. I will I will state at the end of the episode, the Doctor goes. Uh, uh, Sarah goes. Oh, so is that it? Is that it for the uh, the Helix? And the Doctor goes. Well, uh, we've defeated it now, but it'll probably build up enough power in about five hundred years to attack again. And it's like, ooh, is this a lead into another story? Oh, a cliffhanger! Uh, spoilers: No, uh, it never comes back to the television. The Helix is gone, but there is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful novel uh called Beautiful Chaos that is a sequel to this story it stars the 10th Doctor and Donna. Uh set in two thousand and nine or two thousand eight, I believe. Uh and it's basically like, hey, it's been five hundred years, the Helix is back, and uh uh it's a-, a lovely story about um them visiting uh Donna's grandfather to just, you know, visit and talk about all the adventures that Donna's had and He's like, well, I've I've kind of had a bit of a fling myself. And it's like he's got a bit of a love interest and she's going through her own struggles right now. And then the Helix attacks and it's like, oh, God, what are we going to do? Uh, It's a great story. I, I honestly highly recommend picking up the book, especially if you like Donna and uh, Wilfred Mott as characters. It's a, a fun book. There's an audio book of it as well, which I think is read by Bernard Cribbins, who played Wilfred Mott. And his voice is great um hmm. beautiful chaos go, go read it it's a good one uh but yeah there, there's uh another story i believe the first doctor story from like the 90s in a book where the helix also comes back but it's like i haven't read those I've i've barely read any of the 90s books because like the 90s is a weird time for me when it comes to doctor who it just feels weird the books mm-hmm. Um, the covers are awful as well. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, it's it. I like the idea of the helix as like this kind of entity of energy from the dark times. That's like, hey, we need to stop humanity from evolving because they're gonna fucking ruin everything. So we're just gonna take over some people and convince them to not like evolve. Hmm. It's it's a neat creative premise. The special effects were in this show were. It's basically just someone with a laser pointer and some sparkles.
1: <laughs> so, anyway. That's great.
0: Yeah. So, that's the Mask of Mandragora. Mandragora. The Mask of Mandragora. I keep wanting to say Mandragora. Mask of Man- Mandragora. I. Fuck this. Fuck the title. Fuck it all. Fuck Dung and Rumper. Next episode. Okay, it's the blank of blank, dear. What <laughs> one do you want? What word do you want?
1: The easier one.
0: They're both easy. They're both four letter words.
1: The fear of
0: what? Okay, well, you already guessed one of them, so it's the blank of fear.
1: Okay, well, the look of fear. I don't know. I already guessed fear randomly. Mm mm mm. Well,
0: I asked you which one, and you didn't say which one. You just said two random words. And I said, okay, well, you got that one, so you have to guess the other one. No. Uh, I'll give you a hint. (laughs) The other word is a body part. Don't say penis.
1: Face. Ooh. Close. Hand.
0: But you need to go a little bit further down. Foot. A little bit further up.
1: Pe- <laughs> God damn it!
0: Cock and ball torture, CBT.
1: God damn it! I tried and I couldn't with the straight face. Um, the 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 throat. A
0: little bit lower. The if you boob. say shins, I'm going to kill you. The boobs of fear. Uh, move ten, move sideways. The arms of fear. Little further out. I
1: said hand a minute ago. Did you? I didn't I hear did. it. Okay, well it was hand. Oh, yeah, of... it's the
0: hand of fear. All right. It uh. Go eat your fucking why, water bottle, uh,
1: goddammit. it. Yeah, my
0: life. It's it's why it's it's why uh, you're holding a hand in the cover, and I knew you oh. would forget that you were. <laughs> so that's
1: saying. All right. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care, man. Uh, I don't okay. Give crap. Next
0: episodes.
1: <laughs> the end of. <laughs> oh, good
0: night. <laughs> We regret to inform you, deer has died. Long live deer. Deer will be replaced next episode by Stephen Fry.